the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello, welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me, as always, is editor Trevor Traham. Hello. Trev, right. What's well, been a, another eventful week, as always, in Australian football. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to Palmergate later. Let's uh, start with the action uh, on the pitch. Let's look at last weekend's games first. Um, Melbourne Heart uh, against Gold Coast. Uh, obviously, we talked last week about um, the 17-year-old debut skipper of the Gold Coast and the... Uh, you know, the fact that the team that the Gold Coast were likely to put out, and indeed did, um, put up a pretty good showing, but um, yeah. important for Hart to uh, to get back to winning ways. Yeah, I mean, they've been struggling, really struggling. and I don't think this was exactly the performance to convince anyone that they've turned that corner, really, by sort of scraping past the bottom side, um, 1-0 at home. Um, you know, Hart, Hart should have been able to win this game more comfortably and if they're going to have any chance in the finals they still need a massive improvement I think I said last week that they'll probably win this but it'll be the last game they'll win this season and I think I'll stick to that Okay, I mean the winning goal from uh, Eli Babals probably I'd say one of the finds of the season yeah yeah he's been he's been great to watch as well and um, you know look at you know I, I like Hart and I reckon they're probably only a natural goal poacher away from from being a much much better side than they are at the moment, um, and you know that the, they play good stuff. But I, I just feel that the, that little run of five wins um, was sort of the best we saw of them, and you don't feel like that's going to come back at any point for them. Mm, okay. Um, all right, the Mariners uh, return to winning ways with uh, a two-nil win against uh, Phoenix. Regulation two 0 win really. I mean, they were they were good value for it, the Mariners, and uh, a game sort of lit up by another uh, goal from um, Nike Chance graduate uh, winner Tom Rogic. Yeah, I mean he, he's the the guy everyone's talking about at the moment, aren't they? I mean, certainly the reports we heard back from what the scouts in you know the UK were saying about him, and um, you know Ron Smith was scouting him out here before, and then he, he went over, and you, you consider how many players from around the world tried to win that Nike chance. Yeah. Um, for him to win it, he's he's clearly come out to play, and um, I spoke to him while he was you know at the academy and stuff over in England, and he's doing well, and you know there was other there was plenty of clubs sniffing around him, had a trial in uh, yeah, Sweden, with a visa, didn't he? Reading yeah. offered him a contract, it, and he it, had, his visa was a was a problem. It was yeah, it was it was the visa in the end, but look, he he looks like he's got a lot of tools, so to speak. There's a lot he can do right on on the ball, and yeah. I did resist the urge to be a little bit, you know. When I was on Twitter and, and seeing overnight sensation, you know, where's this kid come from? Yeah, I saw that. I did that. feel like sending a few links to our website from over a year ago when, when yeah. we were interviewing him and talking to him and about oh, the whole way through his journey on the chance. You know, Ada went to London with him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like if you needed another reason to, to, to read our website, there you go. Yeah. Um, a year ahead of things there but certainly it, it looks the whole package I mean one of the things when you see players come through that physically they tend to take a time, bit of time to develop mm. um, this guy has got the physique you know it, it reminds me a little bit and I don't know this big long bow here but he's got a little bit of the Steven Gerrard type physique about him yeah. you know like 
yeah, long limbed, you know, lollipin sort of stride, but can hit a ball, mm. um, you know, and as we saw um, last night, we got into last night, you know, can go past people. Yeah. You know, which is such a, yeah, when we look at our sort of midfielders in, in the Socceroos, we don't have many midfielders that get the ball and run <laughs> at the heart of defences. Mm. You know, our midfielders tend to be neat and tidy. You know, you sort of water carrier midfielders, play you know, like Valeri's, Yedinax. But this kid looks like one of those players who can pick the ball up 40 yards out, drive at the heart of a defence and shoot. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. I, th- I think what I like about him as well, it, it's a cliche, but it's definitely true, is that the really good players look like they just have more time on the ball. You know, and, and you think, you think, why aren't they being close? It's not that, it's that they know how to sort of move the ball around their feet so well that, you know, they have the patience to be able to do stuff. And, and that's what he felt like a few times, particularly when you sort of pick it up on that congested edge of the box area. He's able to sort of, you know, control it and get it away from players and then move on. And, yeah, look, at, and the Mariners is a great place for, for him to be as well because... You know, Arnie's thrown him straight in, hasn't he? And he's played a load of football from the off. Yeah, and to his credit, you know, Arnie said that you know, he was with the Mariners. He was training with the Mariners yeah. to prepare him for, for his tilt at the chance. And, uh, you know, when he didn't get his visa, um, apparently the first person he rang was Arnie and said, can I come and play? And apparently Arnie said, I've got no money to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's playing there for peanuts. And, uh, yeah. and he's certainly doing his case no harm. I'll, I'll be very surprised if he plays in the early next season. That way. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be, he'll be gone somewhere if they can sort out some, some visa things. Okay. Uh, Brisbane Raw, um, 3 2 win against uh, Melbourne Victory. Uh, it was 3 1 at half time. Um, bit of comedy defending uh, from Melbourne. It seems to be the norm at the moment. Um, Bessart Barisha opened the account on, on one minute. Always love it. I, I backed Barisha to score at any point, and I backed three and a half goals or more. Right. When you get. When you're, uh, you know, when, when you've got your money back within the first minute, and you're like, <laughs> come on. Uh, so the goals are those, uh, Barisha in, after the first minute, Kuehl after nine minutes, Barisha again on 32, Enrico on 33, and then Harry Kuehl got one back for on 50 minutes, encouraging crowd there as well at Brisbane, Great 18 curl. and a half thousand, uh, as we sort of get nearer to the finals, that's very promising. I, I always think if, if you're going to watch one game per round, watch Melbourne Victory's game. Because it always seems to be, you know, not always for the, for the best. Sometimes it can be comical defending or red cards or whatever. But it, every single time they seem to be playing, a, you know, in a belting game. And this was another one. OK, I mean, let's talk about victory under, you know, Magilton. Are we starting to see the signs that are starting to get the way he wants to play? I mean, certainly we've seen Harry Kill come to the fore. Yeah. Under Magilton a yeah, bit more. Yeah. Harry's been absolutely superb in recent weeks. Um, it, in terms of the way, you know, Magilton, you know, likes to play and, you know, those who know know that he did play good football at Ipswich and stuff, that's not an overnight thing. I, I don't think he's ever going to come in and suddenly just sort of get instant results. And Lynchy's done his column um, for the upcoming magazine on Magilton and sings his praises about how he's unlike any victory coach I've ever had before. You know, he's full of charisma, banter, you know, totally different to sort of Ernie and Dracovic was, you know, quite quite a quiet character, wasn't he, really? And he sort of said that he's, he's you know, Lynch thinks he'll definitely stay on next season. You know, the yeah. people of victory are really impressive him and he's, he's got, you know, an aura about him. And I, I think he will stay on next season and I think victory will be a hell of a lot stronger next year. Well, everyone, you know, everyone remembers the last sort of season, you know, three quarters from Brisbane. And it's very easy to forget 
the sort of half a season that that Ange Postacoglu had to go through, Mm. A, to clear out the players that didn't suit the way he wanted them to play, and then start to have the effect on the players that he did want to keep to say, this is the new philosophy this is the way we're going to play. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, like you say, they finished, they finished ninth. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was a lot of negativity around Ange at that point, you know. Yeah, Roma. Well, yeah, everyone was like, oh, what's going on here? It's open revolt. You know, senior socceroos are being kicked out and backlashing in the press and, you know, but that's what sometimes what it takes, you know. So I think, I think if he does stay on, I think we've got to, you know, we need to give him the next sort of pre-season to, to actually get rid of some of the players that he doesn't see fitting in and bring some of the players in that he does. Completely. <laughs> All right. Um, Perth Glory, 2-0 win, home to the Jets, uh, yeah. moving up into third spot. Um, not turning out to be a bad season for Glory after uh, all the, the negativity in the, in the first sort of part of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of started similar to the previous season well, had a big dip, but this time they've come out of the dip. Um, and, and look, you know, certainly got the players, but you know they've had the players on quite a few occasions in previous seasons, and it's not happened. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would make them easily favourites to secure that third place. And yeah. certainly, you know, it, it's rare that we've seen them in the finals. Certainly not with a home final. Um, no. But going into a finals with a home advantage, you think would be a massive, you know, advantage for Perth. Oh yeah, huge. I mean, the, the crowd would definitely turn out for it. Um, and yeah, they'll, they'll be strong candidates, I think, if they can get that third. Okay. Uh, Sydney SC, critical win for Sydney to keep their, um, their finals hopes alive. Uh, a 2-1 win away at Adelaide. Um, probably got Ivan Nachevsky to thank for that, who had a, a fantastic game in between the sticks. It's made the um, difference, hasn't he, really? Yeah, no, he has. He has. Um, although he's come in and done well before, but whether he can sustain it over a long period um, is yet to be seen. But certainly he was, he was uh, phenomenal. Well, that, that can be Liam Reddy's problem, is that he can pull off these saves where you think he's a top-draw goalkeeper, and then he can have real nasty tips. Yeah. Uh, two goals, uh, Mitch Malia and uh, Joel Chianese, Uh Two young lads that come from the New South Wales Premier Go. League, showing that there is, you know... There is talent there in the state leagues if uh, A-League coaches do their homework. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we saw in that, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, the, the Gold Coast game from last night, um, that there's, there's no shortage of those types of players knocking around. You just have to give them a chance. I mean, uh, like Ange says, it's a young young man's league, and we, sh- we should play off that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cozzy will feel a bit hard done by, and did. <laughs> <laughs> about this, I mean, Adelaide certainly uh, created enough chances and had enough pressure to uh, to have won this game and have the players to score those chances. Yeah, but much. ended up getting getting pickpocketed in in the 80th minute. So a uh, bit of a bit of sympathy there for for Cozzy and the Adelaide boys. Um, last night uh, again, I mean, we'll 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 talk in the next part in detail about Gold Coast, but. The circus rolled on a little bit with Clive Palmer in the dressing room at half-time talking to the players. Um, It it didn't work, really. I mean, if it was a coach, you'd say it didn't work because they were 3-1 up and ended up drawing 3 all. Yeah. I remember um, West Ham got Ray Winston to do a half-time team talk once. Really? Because he's a big West Ham fan. the fear of God in him, didn't he? Yeah, we knocked Man City out of the cup that day because he (laughs) sort of tried on the... uh... The gangster talking, it worked. Yeah, look, the, in, in terms of this Gold Coast performance, ha- how they played was what I was hoping Gold Coast were going to be like this season. We knew they were going to play a load of young players, and yeah. I hope that they'd just be this 
gung ho. Lack of fear. Just yeah, go for it. Just young players scoring great goals, going for it and loving it. And th- that was the best case scenario for Gold Coast. And it hasn't really happened. They've been probably a little bit more pragmatic than that and they've sort of just been edged out in games and are going to finish bottom. But last night was, you know, how I'd hope they'd be. And it, like it was a. It was a brilliant game, um, you know, for, for the Mariners to bounce back within minutes after going three-one down away from home. Um, you know, it was great for them as well. But this was a big chance for the Mariners to all but secure the title. They'd be a little bit disappointed they hadn't really. And as you said, great goal from uh, from Ben Halloran. Yeah, uh, who's although, been brilliant. Although you'd probably say Passfield will look at it and think he could have done a bit better, but I know his, his pace uh, to go past the Mariners' defence was uh, was something to behold. That's why you should never get a hand on a shot. A goalkeeper just get nowhere near it and it's like us nowhere near it (laughs) all right so let's look at the league table as it stands every team has played 22 games now with 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 the uh, catch-up game last night from the washed out game earlier in the season so everyone's played 22 points the mariners remain top with 44 points six points back are brisbane on 38 perth glory on 34 wellington phoenix on 33 Melbourne Heart on 30 and Sydney on 30. That rounds out the current finals positions. Two points back of the Jets. Five points back are victory. Uh, seven points back from there are Adelaide and Gold Coast. You'd probably say Adelaide and Gold Coast. Time's running out for them. Gold Coast probably out of it now. But Adelaide, thin hopes. Victory need a win. Um, Victory can't season. afford any more slip nah, no. Victory lose You'd probably say Their finals hopes are gone um, So Five games to go Still all up for grabs um, Particularly the final spots You'd probably say The Mariners Are going to do You know Hard push to lose it From there um, And it's looking like A repeat of the 1-2 From last season Yeah Yeah And and it sort of You know Feels a little bit like Brisbane have got the measure Of Mariners In the head-to-head games As well don't you So I don't think the Mariners will be too keen to, to play Brisbane in that. I think they'll be cheering on Perth. OK. All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to uh, dissect the news from another busy week in football in Australia. This month's 442 magazine is your ultimate guide to the world's biggest stars in our annual countdown of the 100 best players in the world. Elsewhere, the A-League's founding fathers, Alex Wilkinson, Archie Thompson, Clint Bolton, Terry McFlynn and Matt Thompson, tell us how the A-League's evolved since its inception. Plus, we catch up with Socceroo Mila Yedinak and uncover why Japan will soon win a World Cup. 442 Magazine at Newsagents Now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, we're going to look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com, and has been making headlines everywhere. Mm. Uh, Clive Palmer versus the FFA. Um, an interview that he gave with a, it was a, a Brisbane newspaper, uh, I think it was the Courier Mail on, on Sunday, saying he, he didn't even like football, doesn't even like it, it's a hopeless game, rugby league's much better. Um, he since came, went on to the world game in sort of damage limitation mode to, to clarify that and said they were taking that context and what he said was that he didn't like the running of the game and he thought the running of the game was hopeless compared with rugby league. Um, not sure I really believe that, but... Um, but what do we make, Trev? We've seen, uh, obviously, the turn of events was Miron was stood down, suspended. Uh, then Miron came out on Sunday and gave the, you know, the impression that he had resigned. 
although he hadn't actually put it in writing, so he was fired by a text message from Clive at 6am on Monday morning. This is according to Miron. Yeah, you, um, you can't dump me because you're dumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it first. <laughs> did not. Did two. Um, so we saw Monday night World Game had uh, a live cross to Clive, resplendent in his... Uh, Come play 2022 scarf. Yeah. Uh, and also Ben Buckley in the studio. And then Fox Sports FC had Miron on exclusively on the, on Tuesday night. So, I mean, let, let's, let's look at it. I mean, amongst the, the a lot of scattergun, sort of thing, Clive Palmer's got a, a very good point, I think, about the owners and about the consultation and the involvement. You know, these guys are bankrolling our teams to the point of, you know, 25 million losses per year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as Clive Palmer said himself, he's, he's, he's putting 18 million himself. That deserves a say. Trev, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, first one, the, the comments he's making in terms of them being damaging to the game, he's entitled to his opinion. He's not in a role where he needs to be an ambassador for football. I know he's an owner, but he's still entitled to sort of say what he wants. He was quite impressive on, on the world game and he... You know, he hasn't got that much money because he's an idiot, right? And he was sort of quite forceful and bullish, but still articulate about you know what he's saying. And yeah, do you the- think he's that impressive? I thought I felt that someone had given him a piece of paper which he was holding. He was reading a little bit, yeah. which had got bullet points of all the negative things that he could say about Australian football over the last three years, and he just ticked them all off and said them without really having an appreciation of some of the context of it. Yeah, I thought some of the things he said were downright offensive. You know, if, I, if I'd have been Craig Foster and David Drillich, both of whom represented Australia at football, mm. and somebody said to me, and, I, and I, I thought I'd got it wrong, but then they replayed it on Fox Sports FC, and I got it right. He said that he believes that the Socceroos, the national team of Australia, is, is picked based on kickbacks. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, I would have terminated that right there if I'd have been an ex-Socceroo and said, Clive, I've represented my country at football and at sport. You know, and what you've said is absolutely offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was let to get away with it, which I thought was disgraceful. Um, you know, so in amongst all the crap were some very, very valid points. Yeah, I mean, but there was a lot of crap, and there was a complete reluctance to accept that Gold Coast United has been a failure, hmm. and it has been a failure. Oh, of course, yeah. He wouldn't have lost 18 million had it not been a failure. And as owner of the ship, who appointed his, you know, his brother-in-law. Um, to run the show with no experience in football has to carry the can for that. Yeah, of course. 1,100 people turned up last night. Well, Clive Palmer's trying to claim that, that is a, that's a successful season. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, those parts are delusional, but I, I think it's got to... You, you see with the reaction of the other owners, that the way they've come out, that there's a common theme. It's not just Clive Palmer's... And yeah, and, and, and they're, they're, they're the valid points. Yeah. They're rallying around what I felt were the valid points that he made, but I felt that he, he weakened his argument, you know, by throwing a load of stuff that we've been through before, you know. Focus on the key issues. The key issues is, is that these guys are bankrolling our game, and they deserve more transparency on where the money that comes into the FFA is distributed, yeah. and they deserve more of a say in the league. Focus on that, Clive. Yeah. And then I think you would find you have a hell of a lot more support. Yeah. Um, obviously, some of the, some of what he revealed in that interview has now had repercussions elsewhere because he talked about the fact that he was charged half a million for the license. And, uh, in his words, poor old Nathan Tinkler paid, uh, paid seven million for his. Um, which causes the FFA some, 
issues to resolve now. Now, Lyle Gorman was very quick to put out a press release um, that said there's a difference between a licence fee and an acquisition fee. Um, he's right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's very different to what you would charge someone who's got to foot the bill to build a club from scratch themselves, which is Clive Palmer's situation, or someone that inherits a, a, a club that's already won a championship, has competed in the Asian Champions League. Um, however, I guess the big question mark is, is did the FFA lead Nathan Tinkler to believe that this was a standard charge? Well, that's, that's really... That's what Nathan Tinkler's camp or Hunter Sports Group is saying. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really stupid if they did, because something like that's always going to come out, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so you've got to allow my... And, like, yeah, and also, it's like, it, it shouldn't be one fixed cost, because a team in Sydney <laughs> should cost more than a team in Adelaide. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah. five million people. You know, your potential revenue generation is significantly more if you're in Sydney or Melbourne than if you're in... Newcastle or, you know, it's or like, the Gold Coast. It's like buying a shop at, you know, Westfields in the centre of the city or getting one out on Parramatta Road, isn't it? You'd expect to pay more for, yeah, like you say, the, the bigger audience you're going to have access to. Um, so, obviously, you know, they, uh, the sports group have said that they are, you know, considering their, their legal position on this. Um, there's been various talk of breakaway leagues, which... I think is ridiculous. That's really messy um, then, isn't but it? But yeah. I think the one thing that, that does seem to be gathering momentum, and I can totally understand why, is the need for, a, for a, a, an independent owners association, an owners group, mm. um, so that they're, they're not having this scattergun approach with interviews here and there, is they are working together and putting forward a common front to the FFA. And I, and I, I don't think that that would be unhealthy. Yeah. Hmm. All right, and uh, obviously Miron was on Fox Sports FC um, explaining uh, his side of the story um, in, in true Miron fashion, very entertaining. I love the, <laughs> the Ben Buckley and Andrew Demetrio giving your kids bike for Christmas analogy. <laughs> it was rambling, but it was, it was pure Miron. It was brilliant. Um, you know, he, he said something quite interesting. It was, the most interesting thing he said for me was that he... Um, you know, obviously he remains, he thinks he'll, he'll remain a, a friend of Clive Palmer's, but from a business perspective, he said that he felt that he didn't believe that Clive thought he was the right person to be his right-hand man for what he was about to do next. Mm. That's quite, that was probably the most insightful thing, I think. Um, whatever that is, we're yet to find out. Yeah, right. It, it, you almost feel like, um, you know, Clive Palmer likes to think out the, book, the box or li at least likes to sort of champion that he does that and he's sort of got the money and power to do something very different very bizarre very non-football <laughs> next you know and I couldn't guess what that's going to be but yeah you, that makes it sound like he's got something up his sleeve that he wants to do with that club that perhaps has never been done before mm. well one thing that is uh, certainly uh, brought to a head is the fact that you know the FFA do need to um you know, have immediate and, you know, open consultation with the owners. That is apparently happening at the moment. Um, you know, uh, so we'll see that. I mean, that, that's going to come to a head. Obviously, the, the Newcastle situation needs addressing immediately. Um, and again, it's just a shame. You know, it's been such a good season on the pitch. Um, crowds are up, memberships are up, the quality is up. The um, figures are up. Yeah, you know, and I, I get emails from our equivalents in the UK... <laughs> Like link into this because this has made headlines around the world. Yeah. This was on the Soccer X website, you know, the the main sort of 
B2B sort of uh, football um, expo and community, you know, this was a headline on there, yeah. which they forwarded to me going, what the hell's going on down there now? Yeah. You know, so it's not a good look for us. Um, owners in open revolt against the FFA. So this certainly needs uh, resolving quickly. Uh, and let's just hope that it doesn't derail what's been a, a good season on the park. Hmm. All right, let's get back on the park. Socceroos are arriving as we speak. I saw a tweet from Lucas Neal saying he's touched down in Australia. Yeah, um, he's, he's doing a, a launch tomorrow of his Mr. Soccer. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll be doing some stuff for Optus while he's here. Um, Holger named his Socceroos squad this week, um, and there were some surprise inclusions there. Um, none more so than David Carney, for me. Um, barely played. Yep. Uh, he's just moved to Uzbekistan. I mean, Holger did explain this, Trev. Do you want to run through why he, you know, because he was pushed on this, why Carney's in there? Yeah, I mean, it does seem strange on the outside, first of all, for Carney, doesn't it? Because like you say, he's been over at sort of a, a lower level um, in Spain and then not really playing in that level. Um, and now he's sort of got to move over to Uzbekistan so he's he's in the catchment area now, isn't he? In terms of you know exactly when you know pulling players in, and, and this was always going to be a squad, wasn't it? That was full of homegrown and and sort of Middle Eastern players and, and Asian players and what have you. Um, so I guess when you look at it like that, it's not that strange a thing, is it? To, to have the chance, and he knows about Carney as well, doesn't he? So well, well, he said that the last time that he was in the squad, he you know, he played and and scored against Germany, mm. you know, and he recognises that he's had some difficulties finding a club or getting settled, but he wanted him to know that he was still part of his thinking and yeah, you know, bringing him into the squad to make him still feel part of it. Um, it's hard, you know. At least he's got an explanation for it. I would still like to see a left back in there. Because well, I mean, yeah. if he's going to come and not play, if, if Carney's there just to uh, get a feel for things again, who's going to play left back? Well, it's, it's a very full back shy squad, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, there's not, there's, there's plenty of centre backs in there. Yeah. There's not that many full backs. And, and, you know, Joshua Rose has been champion in his case for a while, and he still seems on the outer on that front, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a, that's a, a strange one, you know. I mean, you'd say you've got Josh Rose, Shane Stefanuto, Aziz Bayic, uh, Ivan Franjic, yeah. all. Solid, good to better fullbacks playing in the A League regularly. Surely there's a place for one of them in that squad. Yeah, I think so. Um, Eric Partaloo uh, was named in there. Good to see him get a chance. Uh, we've been championing for a while. Um, and also Mark Bresciano back. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's. I suppose that was one of the main talking points. But I understand he's doing okay in the Middle East. And. Um, I suppose I don't know how long term a plan that is to get him back in, though. You know, really. No, I don't, but also, I think you know. I think we have to be realistic. Um, you know, remember when we went with an all A League squad against a team against China hmm. uh, in the last World Cup qualifier and in a dead rubber, and it was one nil, and everyone was in uproar, booing the team off the pitch, saying it was disgraceful that has to pay to see a second string team. But you know, I think you've got to find that balance. Too. When the Socceroos come back here, it's that balance between first of all winning the game particularly if it's a competitive fixture, which this one isn't. Yeah. Um, entertaining the crowd, because they're not here that often. <laughs> Selling tickets, you know, because we, we don't want the Socceroos to be playing in front of empty stadiums. You know, so I think Bresciano has been brought in, you know, to add a little bit of star power mm. to what was a star-shy sort of team in terms of overseas Socceroos, you know. And he's a Melbourne boy. The game's been played in Melbourne. 
and they've probably got some tickets to shift. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not ideal for the soccer who's manager to be selecting players to sell tickets, though, is it? No, but I think, you know, I think it's, uh, it's also getting that balance between players that have been there and done it. And when you let, you know, you're allowing, like, players like Wilkshire and Cahill and that yeah. um, not to be in the squad because it's a dead rubber. I think having someone like Bresciano around who's been there, seen it, done it, you know, coupled with the lads that are back here now in Emerton and well, Kjell, well, that- and all of a sudden, you know, that's not... That, that squad and that team has a very different look about it than that team did against China that Pimper. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the, the, an A-League team this time around, is, you know, is different because you're going to have, you know, Kuehl, Emerton, you know, Lucas Neal's over in the Middle East so he can come back. I mean, you well, know, also, Schwartz in the there, Jade Moore. Of the players that are playing in Asia, the yeah. benefit that that can have to us in that we're not asking them to slap halfway around the world, just mm. a quarter of the way around the world. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's so a really experienced that, team. You've got, you know, you've got... Jade North, Matt Spiranovic, Alex Brosk, uh, Ognanovsky, um, Lucas Neal, all of whom are playing in the AFC, confer- yeah. you know, in, in the reach of the AFC. So, um, Nick Carl back in as well, justified yeah. on current form, you say? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I always felt he'd sort of creep in again, perhaps into one of these types of squads, but I, f- I would expect him to be playing, I suppose, at a, a slightly higher level than he is. I mean, he's doing fine at Sydney. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of ticking over, but, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's just the, the options he's got available, really. OK. Um, one soccer who's not in the squad, but uh, was in the news, Rhys Williams, has uh, ended speculation about his future and has uh, penned a new four-and-a-half-year deal at Middlesbrough. Um, promotion chasing at the moment, had a good win. Uh, at the weekend, so um, it's good to see him settled. Uh, he said that his fiance settled there, knows the town, couldn't be happier. Um, so that ends that speculation. So let's hope that Middlesbrough get promoted and we see him and uh, Scott McDonald in the Premiership. Yeah, I mean, he's got his head screwed on, hasn't he, Reese? He's, he's, he's not as far away from some of the reputation that young footballers have got. And that's a pretty mature decision, isn't it? Because he's been linked to all sorts of Premier League teams. He's in a you know, reasonably powerful position because he's got 18 months less on his contract. So you'd think that a club like Middlesbrough would have to sell him in the summer if if he were going to sign another deal. Um, but he's he's working under t- Tony Mowbray there, um, another English coach that likes to play football, and they do. They play really good football, and all, all of Mowbray's teams always have. <clears throat> so that's perfect for from our point of view that he's going to be playing that sort of style in that anchored role in midfield as well. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm delighted. I mean, but Middlesbrough probably got. You know the playoffs would be the best I'd imagine they could hope for, um, but you know that's that's possible. Okay. Um, overnight news as well uh, in the, from the UAE. Uh, Australia's Olympic dream is over. Uh, we won't have a football team, male or female, at the uh, Olympics, uh, which is a shame. Um, and for the fifth game in a row, the Ollie Roos didn't score. No. There's your problem. You know. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to talk down to our audience here about the importance of goals, but it's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, should we be now be getting concerned about this? Yeah, this is an under-23 crop um, that seem to be certainly struggling for goals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, this is just one crop. I mean, when you end up having a Socceroos team, you're talking about a far bigger you know, bracket of players that can, yeah. that can play. So it's not the end of the world if you've just got this this crop here that doesn't appear to have a striker or doesn't appear to have a team that can sort of set up strikers as but well. But at the same time, we're talking about, you know, Eli Babal's been one of the finds of the season. Bernie 
Ibanisi scoring last night. You know, yeah. Obviously, that it was limited by the three players per club. Yeah. Um, which might, you know, but then he took. He didn't tell the right players. Yeah, he he still got to tell the right players, players have not yeah. he? So, yeah. So it's certainly it'll be a shame not to have a, an Australian team over there in London. Um, but to be honest, don't score, don't deserve to be there. Well, no. I mean, if they played like that, it's probably best they didn't go. To be fair. Well, I've been just announced uh, yesterday. Obviously, we are we are partners of uh, well, sponsors of the Curva Coaching. Um, their diploma. Uh, our 442 performance brand globally is uh, is a partner with Curva, uh, and uh, Alf Galustian, uh, skills guru, who we've interviewed many times before. Skills God. Skills God. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, over in Melbourne, um, running a course at Monash University. So uh, head on to the website. I think it's a two-day course. Uh, excellent value for money, and uh, that's the latest sort of skill acquisition work. He is. Uh, Consultant to the FFA um, for the skill acquisition programs and works with the Premier League, Bayern Munich, French FA, English, Japanese. The list is endless, but uh, certainly uh, one of the pioneers in, in skill acquisition. So if you are coaching youngsters at that age, that sort of nine to twelve um, skill acquisition phase, then it's certainly worth a look. Which is why we um, we wholeheartedly support that. So uh, get on the website and have a look. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to uh, look at FA Cup uh, and a quick look at the Premier League. Aside from a better night's sleep for both you and your partner, there are so many other benefits to treating your snoring. For example, did you know that snoring makes you produce excess cortisol, which slows your metabolism? So if you snore for a prolonged period, you may find you gain weight easily. Snoring is also a sign your body is getting a little less oxygen, and reduced oxygen in blood can contribute to arterial plaque buildup. These are just a couple of reasons why it's a good idea to try a mandibular splint from Instantly Stop Snoring. 1-800-991-259. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, we're going to look at Europe now and look at some of the uh, the main games that have been happening. Let's actually start with the European Champions League. Um, overnight, FC Basel. Uh, some would say a surprise, but you know, not, after not really after what yeah. they did in the group stages. But they got a late winner. Home to Bayern Munich, uh, Marseille also with a late winner against Inter. Inter. Um, you'd probably still just make Bayern favourite, going back to the Allianz Arena. Yeah, you'd, um, you'd think home. Inter, from... not so sure, not having the best of seasons. Um, CSK Moscow won, Real Madrid won. Um, you'd probably say Real Madrid firm favourites to take that one. And uh, shock of all shocks, uh, potentially no English team in the quarterfinals of the Champions League since I believe 95, 96 96, I think it was Uh, Napoli worthy winners 3-1 against Chelsea some comedy defending uh, as seems to be the norm Uh, and open revolt it appears now against uh, AVB Ashley Cole latest apparently Ashley Cole wouldn't do that Um, I think it makes it Italy 7 England 1 as well doesn't it in terms of how the first first lot of uh, they're not out of it you know, no, it, it, unlike Arsenal, you know, you'd say that okay, full house at Stamford Bridge, whole season resting on it. Can they beat Napoli two nil? Um, you'd probably say yes. Yeah. Are they capable of going for it and keeping the door shut at the back to probably one of the best counter-attacking teams 
in European football, no. No, no. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Stopping, you know, happily scoring. The 2 0 sounds very doable, but I think it'll be the nil part of that that will be the hardest part for them to gain. Okay. Uh, FA Cup last weekend. um, Saw a few, we call, uh, you know, a couple of shocks. Uh, Stoke won 2 0 at Crawley Town. That wasn't one of the shocks. Um, Stevenage held high flying Spurs to a nil nil. Okay. Uh, and get a, get a money spinning replay. But there were um, six thousand people there, and I assume that was a sellout. So that sort of yeah. <laughs> shows you the size of the club they were taking on. Yeah, Liverpool six, Brighton one. Although they were helped by three own goals. Brighton won four three. <laughs> <laughs> three own goals. The the last one was the most incredible. For the one where seen. he tried to control it, facing that, and yeah. just miscontrolled it over the line. <laughs> And that's do you right know, in front of the cop. And they're, they're, they're an all right team as well. Yeah, they're, they're doing all right. They're, do, they're just below the playoffs and stuff, and they've spent a bit of money there. So I was a little bit surprised to, to see him get smashed that badly. Well, we're talking about Chelsea being unable to get nil, uh, you know, or, or keep the opposition to nil at home. They couldn't keep Birmingham uh, goalless. In fact, Birmingham took the lead. Uh, Chelsea got an equaliser and were uh, were roundly booed at half time by the uh, by the team. And, and again. We might, you know, just the leakiness of that dressing room. Apparently, the you know Didier Drogba took a team talk at halftime. Whether mm. you believe that or not, I don't know. But the fact remains is that after every game now, it appears that there are there is a story or other of complete player sort of disrespect for the coach. And you yeah. just think, how long can this go on? But you know, unless AVB has got an agreement with Abramovich that. He is there no matter what because he needs to clear these players out in the in the summer, and if he doesn't do it, somebody else is going to have to. Yeah, you know. Uh, so you, you can sort of, you know, you sort of think that the only way forward from this is for him to get rid of Drogba, Lampard, Terry, um, and probably Ashley Cole now. Yeah, I mean, if if I was Abramovich, and especially if you're going to recruit a thirty-something coach, was he thirty-three when he? Yeah. yeah. So it's obviously a long-term venture. Otherwise, you know, you could have just got Hiddink or someone for, for a little while. And as we've we said before, someone has to clear out this Chelsea team. And if yeah. I was a Bramovich, I'd turn around to him and go, fine, let's get through to the summer. Let's get rid of them all. And you build your own team of, yeah. of players that are going to come in and respect you because they're your players, not, you know, people that we've inherited. I mean, I, I don't know what this Chelsea old guard have got to gain. These are their last chances to win anything. And it seems like they're the ones derailing everything. Yep. Uh, Everton, slowly, surely, still going about their business. Comfortable 2-0 win against uh, Blackpool. Uh, Bolton overcame what could have been a little bit of a banana skin down at Millwall with a 2-0 win, looking to emulate or go one better than their semi-final place last season. Um, Leicester, probably the surprise around, 2-1 winners away at Norwich. Yeah. Uh, and Sunderland heaped, heaped it onto Arsenal. Although what I found amazing about was how few people were there. Yeah. Like, I thought they must have got their goals right at injury time because it was half empty. 26,000 there. was only 26,000 there for a visit of Arsenal for an, a really winnable tie, as it proved. Yeah. Ma- magic of the cup yeah. from the semis forward. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. Uh, yeah. But that heaps the pressure on Wenger because that's now seven trophyless seasons. Yep. That was their last chance of any silverware this year. Um, and I'm not sure Wenger's... Coming out and saying fourth place is like a trophy to us. I'm not sure that's going to appease the Arsenal fan. I'm not sure who he's trying to convince. Him. He's no. Trying to convince himself. Hey, you mentioned Blackpool. If I could crowbar in a West Ham conversation here, 
I don't know if you saw our midweek fixture. Um, oh, with the fellow in goal. Yeah, right, Henry yeah. Lansbury, yeah. Arsenal midfielder in goal, um, when we were sort of only 2-1 up, went on to win 4-1. But it's an interesting debate about, do you name a sub-goalkeeper? Because well, I listened to Sam on Big Sam on the radio last night, and he was saying that the reason that him and Holloway didn't have a keeper on the bench for that game. Right. And he said that it's because they've reduced... No, 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 they've reduced the number of subs in the Football League. Right. From seven, which is in the to five. Yeah. So what he's saying is, like, if if you name a keeper, you've only got four outfield players, and potentially three out of those four will come on the pitch. Yeah. So a lot of managers are now not playing the sec, not putting the second keeper in to give themselves the extra yeah. option for outfield subs. Well, the, I mean, the, the thing is that the, what was interesting was the last time West Ham had a keeper sent off was eight years ago. So when you look at it like that, and yeah. you think that you know you've had eight years of more options on the bench, it it, it is a far far better idea. And Hen, Hen, Henry Lansby did a right goal. <laughs> Actually, they had four up front at the end as well, Blackpool. So you're top now, aren't you? Yeah, we're, t- we're top. We're a point clear of a game in hand. Okay. All right, well, the, uh, the draw for the quarterfinals has been made, and that is as follows. Chelsea or Birmingham will play Leicester. Everton will play Sunderland. Liverpool will play Stoke. And Stevenage or Tottenham will play Bolton. Um, yes. Not, not a bad little route through for, for Tottenham, is it? They've had Watford, Stevenage and Bolton to make the semis. Uh, and I'm sure they will, and they should be red-hot favourites to take it out, to be fair. All right, well, let's quickly look at the Barclays Premier League, because action resumes, having taken a break for the FA Cup. Uh, this sees, let's go from the top, Chelsea take on Bolton. Surely. <laughs> Surely not. Surely. Uh, yeah. you'd, you'd think that that's a home win. Yeah. If not, the wagons will be circling. Yeah, I mean, you think he'd make it through to the end of the season, you know, regardless. But a home defeat to Bolton might might change, especially with four still up for grabs. Um, it's interesting that Hiddink's taken a job in Russia now, isn't he? Oh, do you see the money? How much? Well, like I assume. Twelve million a year. Yeah. he's really short of money as well. I'd imagine. Unbelievable, Hiddink. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a club with a lot of money, and I suppose that was the only way they were going to get him, wasn't it? To to, to pay that sort of amount. Um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea must beat Bolton at home. Uh, Newcastle uh, need to you know, get their season back on track after uh, a demoralising defeat at Spurs last time out. They host managerless Wolves, um, who will be, I think, managed by McCarthy's old assistant, Terry Connor, for this game. They're still hunting. Uh, they've been turned down by Alan Kerbishley twice this week. I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> Do you want managers? No. How about Couple now? Days. How about now, yeah. Still? No. <laughs> Um, QPR uh, hosts Fulham in a, a southwest London derby. Yeah, um, big game for QPR because since, since Hughes has come in, I suppose there's not been that instant lift that I suppose they were hoping for. Um, and, and hosting Fulham will be a game that they'll they'll really need to look to to pick up points from. Yeah, uh, West Brom hosts Sunderland. Sunderland, I'm going to go for in that. You think? Uh, yeah, they look well. It was, it was seamless. Well, they're up, the yeah, they're up to ninth. Uh, and we talked about their form since uh, since Martin O'Neill took over, so they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. Uh, Wigan <laughs> host Aston Villa. Big game? Surely not. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> I mean, as I said last time, you know, we are not out of the woods when it comes to the relegation scrap, um, and I'm just not sure whether we've got the heart for it. Um, we will certainly find out over the next two weeks because we've got Wigan away and then uh, and then Blackburn away. 
So lose those two games and we could be right in the doo-doo at the bottom. I, I think Villa will win this one and I, I think it'll probably be a, a championing for that really? pragmatic style over Wigan who try and play a little bit but haven't really got the players. Big question is where's Emil, Emil going to play this week? Uh, Number 10 the, behind the, the hole. All right, Man City host Blackburn. You'd probably say surely a home win here. Yeah. Um, obviously news in the week, Tevez has now apologised finally. Only took five months. Um, and maybe because the January transfer window is over and to get, get a move, move next he, summer. And he wanted a five-month holiday and now he's had it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Over it. I just wouldn't pick him. I don't know why they're even entertaining him back. They're yeah, like, the options they've got as well. Oh, <laughs> right, Arsene Wenger. Mate, uh, who you didn't want to see on the horizon rolling into town, uh, in the pressure that's on you is a North London derby against Tottenham. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah, you're exactly right. A, a defeat will will really turn the screw on him. And Spurs um, fans are loving what's going on at Arsenal at the moment. Oh, of course, you know, of course. Seeing yeah. the Arsenal fans turn against Wenger, yeah, know, another trophyless season. Them, you know, Champions well. League bound. You know, well, like they're they're ten points clear of them in the league. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, I can't see Tottenham being you know caught up in third. I read a brilliant piece from Jonathan Wilson on. Arsene Wenger I don't know if you've read it yet but he was sort of talking about um, throughout history all the greats have descended into self-parody where it's, you know and we've said it before as well haven't we that Arsenal have become so Arsenal that it doesn't work anymore and you know there's yeah. sort of um, determination to play you not play this way but recruit in a certain way and not spend money and stuff um, has seen as now more important than actually getting some results. Yeah. And there's probably a time limit on how long, you know, Wenger can do that for because the defensively they're an absolute shambles. And Arsenal, you know, even though they had lots of great creative players, used to be an incredibly solid team under Wenger before. Mm, interesting. I, I was I was listening to on the BBC, there was an interview with the, one of the guys, I think they've got an independent sort of supporters association. Right. Uh, that is staffed by high-level sort of bankers and people yeah. like that who, are, who go through the Arsenal accounts, you know, and they're in, some, in quite some detail, you know, and they have consultation with the club. It's quite a high level. Of, yeah. You know, it's not people lobbying for cheaper pies and that, you know. Yeah. Um, and they were saying that Arsenal's wage bill is astronomical. Mm. You know, their, their wage bill is on par with, you know, with the likes of sort of Man United, um, but without the consistent performance. Yeah. You know, and they, they were talking about Johan Giroud, I think has just been, his contract's just been renewed on £50,000 a week. Um, and that's why they're struggling to move players on. That's why there's players like Carlos Vela and Danielson out on loan all over the place, because they just, no one's willing to pick up these guys' salaries. No, and they're not willing to drop down. But they? they're not, you know, they're now in danger of, missing out on Champions League qualification. Apparently they've got cash reserves of about fifty million. Right. But the cost it's for, of missing out on the it's 40 million, League isn't is 40 it? Million. Yeah. You know, so and it's that tire it's that balancing act is do you spend the fifty million to get the forty million back next year? Because the danger is is that you know, they're they're not a guarantee anymore for a Champions League space. No, definitely not. Uh, Norwich host Man United. This will be an interesting test for Man U. Uh, Norwich caused them a lot of problems at Old Trafford. Um, so it'd be interesting to see Norwich, a passionate home crowd there. Big test for Man United, obviously, to keep the pressure on Man City. Who will um, certainly win at home who, to Blackburn. Who should win at home to Blackburn. Uh, Trev, what do you think? I think Man U will probably edge Norwich out 
one nil or two one or something like that. But Norwich certainly won't disgrace themselves. Yeah, Norwich up in eighth. Great performance from Paul Lambert. You know, with what you would you'd look at as a as a squad not littered with with any real star power. Yeah, he's not spent huge amounts of money. Um, they're playing decent football, flexible football as well. You know, they they are able to sort of mix it up when they need to. Yeah, um, or play decent football when it, when the opportunity arises. So um, to see themselves in eighth, you know, pretty much safe already. You'd say thirty five points, only four points behind Liverpool. You compare the budgets of those two clubs. Yeah. I think um, they, they do that, um, what Pardew used to champion, that there's no such thing as short ball or a long ball, there's just the right ball. As yeah. in, the, yeah, depending yeah. what the circumstance is, that's how you play. There's nothing wrong with a long ball, as long as it's not aimless. Yeah, yeah. and you don't do it all game for no reason. to someone's feet, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, Stoke entertained Swansea. Um, again, Stoke, you know, they were one of those teams who did spend decent money. Uh, looking to kick on from that sort of 8th, ninth, maybe to challenge for Europa League. You'd probably say that their exploits in the Europa League and and, you know, and they're still in the FA Cup, as we talked about, has probably hurt their Premier League. They've probably not quite got a big enough or quality enough squad to to cope with that. I think Tony Pulis was saying, I think they've played something like 46 games already this season. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, incredible, really. But they were certainly the most ambitious of the... Also runs out of the you know the big six or seven or what have you, um, and, and the, you know they've got a reasonable return on that so far. And, and Swansea have obviously been probably an even bigger success story than, than Norwich really in the way that they've applied themselves. Okay, and the uh, the only other game this weekend is the Carling Cup final, uh, yeah. Wembley, Cardiff and Liverpool. Um, Liverpool's first trip to Wembley for a cup final for since the new Wembley, isn't it? Well, it's the first trip to New Wembley, but I think it's their first trip for cup final since the Spice Boys. Oh, okay. Era, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Cardiff have given them a game as well. No doubt about that whatsoever. I would be surprised to sort of see, you know, Liverpool swap them aside in the way that you saw Man U swap Millwall aside in the FA Cup final a few yeah. years back. Um, it's difficult still not to tip Liverpool, but I think it'll only be by the odd goal. Okay, I mean, you probably say this is a big match for Dalgleish, you know, just to have that silverware, you know, finally, you know, to have something to show for the investment that they've made. You so know, it's a job extender, isn't it, the Carling Cup? Yeah, a little bit. You know, if they, you know, if they do, end, you know, very easily Liverpool could finish sixth or seventh this season. Okay. So this is a guaranteed spot in Europe in the Europa League, if nothing else. Yeah. Then it's right. Okay, right. We've won a trophy. We're guaranteed European football next season. Now we've got 12 games to, to get fourth. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and obviously still in the FA Cup as well. Yeah. All right, that's it for part three. We'll be back in the final part of this week's podcast just to quickly preview uh, the A-League action coming up this weekend in round 21. This month's 442 magazine is your ultimate guide to the world's biggest stars in our annual countdown of the 100 best players in the world. Elsewhere, the A-League's founding fathers, Alex Wilkinson, Archie Thompson, Clint Bolton, Terry McFlynn and Matt Thompson tell us how the A-League's evolved since its inception. Plus, we catch up with Socceroo Mile Yedinak and uncover why Japan will soon win a World Cup. 442 Magazine at Newsagents Now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We'll turn our attention back to domestic shores. This weekend, round 21. Uh, week 21, sorry. Um, round 23 of the A-League. 
Um, Melbourne Heart versus Central Coast. Yes. Amy Park. Yes. Um, you know, I've, I've been a little bit critical of Heart in recent weeks, but I think that's that's been fair enough, and it'll be a really tough game against a Mariners team who can who can smell the the league title at least. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for the a typically robust Mariners wing goal in each half two nil. Okay, uh, Melbourne Heart. Uh, this is on Sporting Bet. Melbourne Heart three dollars. Central Coast two dollars thirty. Not bad. Mm, not bad at all. And the draw three dollars thirty five. Um, on a tip of draw. Okay. Uh, it's, I, I'm doing this uh, the other way around. I should have started with uh, Newcastle Adelaide, which is the first game. Um, we'll blame the A League for that because they have yeah, turned, just, everything, just upside turned down. everything upside down. It's now going in reverse order. It used to go the other way around. Uh, the round kicks off. Uh, Melbourne versus Central Coast is the last game of the round on Sunday, five o'clock. But the first game is Friday, eight o'clock. Newcastle Jets, Adelaide United. Um, you would sort of say. Uh, this is Adelaide's last chance, really. Lose yeah. this game, they're out. They're, they're out of finals contention. Exactly, and a massive game for the Jets, who are, who are only just out of the finals places at the moment. And I think a top six would be considered a, a really good season for them, considering the both the personnel they had and the sort of change in manager and what have you. Um, and, and I would expect the Jets. The Jets are brilliant at home. Adelaide are, you know, after watching Gold Coast last night, it feels like Adelaide are even more limping out. You know. Towards the end of the season, so yeah, Jets. Okay, dollar ninety-three. The Jets are on Sporting Bet. Um, three dollars seventy-five. Adelaide. So it's about right. That the, yeah, uh, bookies agreeing with you there, Trev. And three dollars fifty. The draw. Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd difficult to see uh, anything other than a, a Jets win there. And, um, uh, and for the next game, a slip up with Sydney, and then the Jets are in there. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Two point, two point uh, gap between Sydney and the Jets for that last final spot. So, um, good, good opportunity for the Jets to put the pressure on Sydney because um, oh, yeah. if they win, Sydney know that they lose. So they're entertaining Wellington Phoenix at the uh, Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, Wellington have had some success at the SFS before, yep. uh, so it's a ground that they have come and won on. Um, Trev, do you think they have got what it takes to win there? I mean, Sydney have been um, over a couple of wins over Gold Coast and a, and a win more recently have have been dire at home. You know, really, really dire at home. And um, Wellington have been greatly improved improved on the road. So I'm, I'm going to back a draw. I mean, if, if Sydney could win it, because um, I, th- I think they'll be out of the six going into this game. I'm, I'm re- very confident the Jets would have won on the previous night. Um, if they can win, then they're, they're, they're right up there putting pressure on the likes of, you know, Perth Glory. They could be looking at a third or Top fourth four, place, you yeah. know. Um, so it's a, a really pivotal game for them. Okay. Um, Sporting Bet got Sydney, uh, two bucks, so even money on Sydney. Wellington, $3.65, which I think is, uh, is that's probably the value bet. And a draw, $3.40. Um, okay. Uh, what have we got now? Gold Coast entertain Melbourne Victory. Now, it's an interesting one here. Perth Brisbane next. Uh, sorry, um, Perth Brisbane at NIB. Yep. Uh, that's Saturday night, six forty-five local time, so nine forty-five um, Australian Eastern time. Love those games. Yeah. Love a little quarter to ten kickoff on a Saturday night. Yeah. Just as just as the missus is sort of nodding <laughs> off. There we go. Take control of the remote. And it's West Ham Crystal Palace after that game oh, as well. There you go. So keep going. Millie Edenak in action for Palace. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Perth, Brisbane, big game this. Well, w- w- what, know, it's w- like... what's interesting about it is the pressure that 
either team who wins can put on the other side. I mean, if, if Perth went, Perth are in third, and if they win it, then they're a point, the point, the yeah. point within Brisbane. If Brisbane win it, then all of a sudden they go within three points of the Mariners at the top. You know, and the Mariners have got to go, you know, away, away to heart. So it's really massive, which is why it's going to be a draw. But if, if, it, <laughs> if either side could win it, it would make a massive difference to their season. Yeah, okay. The bookies, sporting bet, have it. The draw, $3.35, Trev, it's your bet. Uh, $2.55 Brisbane, $2.65 Perth. So Brisbane, very, very slight favourites there, which, um, yeah, I suppose I can see why that would be the case. That, I mean, that's easy, for, you know, easily the game of the round, isn't it? Like you say, perfect time. Have to, have to watch it. Yeah, and Mel- um, Melbourne Victory travelled to Gold Coast uh, on Sunday. On Sunday? Oh, no, Saturday. Yeah, yeah 6.45. Yeah, so it's a triple header on Saturday. Excellent. Um, now there was talk last night Michael Thwaite said something in the post-match interview did you see this no where he alluded to the fact that Clive was going to open up the stadium for free for the visit of Harry Kuehl and then Clive was interviewed after that and didn't mention it so there's uh, you would appear you you would think that if Michael Thwaite knows about it and mentioned it that um, it's going to happen so that would be very interesting if they throw open the gates and say right come one come all come and watch Harry Kuehl and our young boys play against them to see how many they actually get. That, I mean, that would be brilliant. I mean, if I was a Victory fan or, a, you know, Magilton watching Gold Coast last night, I'd be a little bit concerned that's a real banana skin because they played with such freedom, didn't they? And, you know, that there'll be a genuine threat. And like you say, if they get a bigger crowd there, um, you know, these youngsters taking on... And let's be fair, Harry Kuehl's probably all of those youngsters' hero. Yeah, <laughs> so well, that'd be a big game for in, in the in the sort of it's quite funny with the Julia Gillard uh, Kevin Rudd backdrop to this, you know, yeah. in Clive Palmer's sort of you know campaign versus the FFA, it would be another uh, sort of feather in his cap to be look at what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I'm bearing the cost of allowing everyone to come and watch. You know, do you think do you think he'll throw out money, throw out gold <laughs> coins <laughs> yeah, from his box? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! And after last night, maybe he will name himself on the substitutes bench. <laughs> maybe yeah. so that that again's a, another facet. I, I still think that there's probably a little bit too much quality and experience in that in that fixture team, and, and they'll edge their way through. But you know, depending on how our fixtures go, if if victory go into that one and Jets and Sydney have already won before them, then and they and they you know know they can lose that then that's the finals over for them I think yeah well unfortunately Sporting Bet don't have odds up for that game yet so either they know something we don't <laughs> or, or they were just waiting on the result last night and are updating their odds as we speak based on what happened last night but anyway uh, check out their website sportingbet.com.au they'll have all the latest odds and, uh, and more in-game betting than you can bet on there alright Trev that's it thanks yes. for joining us uh, thanks everyone enjoy your football this weekend uh, get out and support your local side and uh, we'll be back next week to pick the bones out of all the uh, all the week's actions thanks for joining us 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services